So have you ever uh, tripped up on your words? Have you ever said things? You said the words, but it's not what you meant. I know that never happens in marriage relationships. Uh, you throw an orange and they catch an apple. That probably never happens to y'all. It's happened once in my marriage. But anyway, uh, not clearly communicating. You, you know what to say. You know what you're supposed to say. It just doesn't come out right. It's just not clear. It's... Ugh. Well, maybe you've, maybe you've felt like this guy. felt like that? I, I know what I'm supposed to say. It's just not coming out right. Clear communication. One of the things that I have really uh, appreciated about this series going through all these texts where Jesus said the words, follow me, is how straight up clear he was about what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I did not use the word Christian on purpose because that word can be defined however you want to define it. In fact, your friends at school have made so many definitions of what a Christian is supposed to act like. Your friends at work have made so many decisions on what a Christian is supposed to behave like, what they can do, what they can eat, what they can't drink, what they can blah, 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 blah. And in these passages, Jesus just cuts straight to it. Now, there's sometimes that he uses some words that at first you go, what? Hey, 
Remember this one? Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to look. What? What are, you, what are you talking about? Hey, when you follow me, it won't be comfortable, and it could be unsafe. Jesus was clear about what it meant to be a follower of his. And in today's passage, we're going to see some, some communication that, that's got to be cleared up before we can move on. And we're coming out of Matthew, and this whole series has come out of Matthew, and, and I need to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we are today. If you have your Bibles, whether it's in soft copy on your phone or hard copy like this one, whatever. <coughs> Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is uh, uh, going back and forth about Sadducees and Pharisees, and he's telling his boys, man, hey, pay attention, be aware of the leaven, the leavening agent, the that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are. And they're like, we, didn't, we don't have any bread. We didn't bring any bread. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about, look, look where does he say it? In uh, verse 12, they understood that he did not tell, tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, come on, guys, we got, let's clear this up. Let me be clear about what I'm talking about. And we go on to this next section. It's a familiar section. Uh, where, where Jesus is saying, or they're telling, what this is what people say, are saying about you. Jesus looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and he says, you are, well, let's read it together. Let's look at it. Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. Let me be clear. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man, those are good words, huh? Jesus looking at Peter going, you're the rock, man. I'll build my church on this rock, and hell won't be able to stand against my church. Peter, you the rock, man. Amen? The rock. We have our movie star, The Rock, but that's the rock. That's the original rock. And from this little section, he goes on to the next little scene. Check it out. Start reading in verse 21. And if you're able, if you'll stand with me, I'm going to read from verse 21 through the end of the chapter. But he goes from being the rock, Peter, man, you the man, the rock. And check out what happens now. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. That shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. 
Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man to, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or, or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here that will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Lord, we ask that today you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would be willing to listen to you, to listen for you, for you to point us in a direction, remind us of our purpose, give us boldness to follow through on that, no matter the cost. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Seated. Man, so we go from Peter, you the man, you the rock, and in just a few short verses, he calls him Satan. Climb into the episode, into the scene real quick. They're having this discussion about who do you say I am, and man, that's great, rah, rah. And, and so, so Jesus says to the crew, starts teaching them and, and, that, man, i got to go to Jerusalem. And here's what's waiting for me in Jerusalem. I, I've, I've got to be made fun of. I've got to be experience hardship. I've got to... I'm going to get punched in the face. He didn't say this, I'm, uh, but we know this in Scripture. I, I, they're going to beat me. They're going to whip me. I've got to go through this. I, I've got to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. They're going to bury me in the grave. And in three days, I'm going to rise from that grave victorious. And can you see Peter? Because now he's kind of swollen, puffed up like I'm the rock, man. Jesus, come in. I hear what you're saying. Jesus, come here for a second. I, uh, I didn't want to say this in front of everybody, Jesus, but that ain't never going to happen on my watch. I got your back, Jesus. They ain't never going to do that on my watch. And you and I can relate to that, can't we? Don't you mess with my children. Boy, you better back up. Uh, uh, hey, we would do that for people we care for and love. And Peter is, he, man, says, it's Jesus, man, they, they will never do that to you on my watch. I think Peter's heart was good. Peter's heart was right. I will protect you. I will take care of you. No one will harm you, Jesus. Peter was convinced that he needed to correct the thinking of Jesus. Have you, ever, have you ever had the thought that I need to correct the thinking of God? God, if you would just answer my prayer for healing for that, that person that's sick, it would be much better. Father, if you would just answer my prayer. I need to help you with your thinking, God, because you're not getting it. This is causing us so much pain here. 
There's so much anguish in this situation. And if you would just think the way I'm thinking, it would all be better. Are you seeing where I'm going? Peter thought, man, I need to fix Jesus' thinking because that ain't never going to happen. Not on my watch. And Jesus, I don't know what that looks like, man, but Jesus turns to him and goes, man, it ain't my thinking that needs to be fixed. It's yours. Here's my editorial on that. See, Peter didn't understand that Jesus stepped out of eternity, the throne room of heaven, to fix a problem that mankind had. See, sin entered the world through one man, and it has impacted all of us ever since. And God had a plan, and his plan was to send his son to come and live a perfect, <coughs> excuse me, perfect, sinless life to be an acceptable sacrifice, blood sacrifice, that would atone for the sin of all mankind. Sin entered through one man. Sin was taken care of by one man. See, he was on a mission. He was on a mission to take care of the sin problem that we all have. And in that moment, when Peter's got his hand around his neck, he's going, that ain't never happening to you. Not on my watch. Have you ever considered the fact that Peter was attempting to thwart the plan of God? To get in the way of God's mission for Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right, Peter. I called you a rock over there. Yeah, that's right, you are. But right now you're being a stumbling block. Get out of my way. Because, Peter, you're thinking about right now, you don't want to see me take a whooping and a beating, and you're thinking about things of man. And, Peter, I'm on a mission from God to do what God has sent me to do, and it is to be the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for all mankind. Get out of my way. He throws the term Satan on him, man. I mean, we can go back to Matthew chapter 4 in the temptation narrative, right? When, when, when the enemy tries the same exact thing, he tries to talk Jesus out of going to Jerusalem and going to the cross. Man, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give that all to you. You don't need to go shed your blood. You don't need to go and do all that suffering stuff. Man, I'll give it to you. Just bow down and worship your feet. And he used the same phrase with the same force. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. Matthew chapter 4, go check it. And with the same weight and the same emphasis, he says, Peter, man, get behind me. Satan, get behind me. You are trying to thwart my mission, what God has sent me to do. Now, church, here's our application. Are there things in my life, are there things in your life that might be getting in the way of what God wants? Are there people in your workplace? Are there people in the halls of your school, in the locker right down from you? Are there people in your neighborhood that God wants you to reach out to?
we would think, I need to help your thinking because that person don't deserve. That person's not popular. That person, nobody likes that person. Why would I like that person? It's not his thinking that needs to be adjusted. Is it our thinking? Church, I don't want to see any one of us get in the way of what God wants to do in you and through you. Jesus came with a mission, and he wasn't going to allow it to get in the, allow Peter to get in the way of that. God is a God of order. He's got a purpose. He had a purpose for Jesus, and he has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that, that we're created in Christ's image to do good works, to do good things that he set aside for us to do long ago. And are you on mission? Am I on mission? It's something that we must keep at the forefront. Hmm. <clears throat> it's critical that you and I talk about God and seek his perspective. And how do we do that? How do we know God's perspective? How do we know where he's going? It happens when we follow him. Follow. Follow him. So we need to get to the, the passage here where he talks about the three things that anyone who comes after him will be. Look at verse tw 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, all right, let's, let's stop here for a second. Uh, hey, he's having his little exchange here with Peter, right? Peter's telling him, never, well, not on my watch. And Jesus says, man, get behind me, Satan, because you're thinking of things down here, not things up there. I got to do my mission. And so he's like, uh, I, if Peter, my rock, is thinking this, I may as well go ahead and make this a teaching moment. And so... So he turns to the guys and makes it a teaching moment. Then he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Three things. Jesus is communicating crystal clear at this moment. He's saying, man, anybody, that's gonna, anybody that would come and follow after me must be devoted exclusively to me and my work. This, this phrase, this verb, this imperative verb, it carries the weight of complete denial. It is reserved with the, the strongest sense to convey only the most conclusive denial. There's not, going, there's not to be a, a self-centered thought within me. That my attention is towards the kingdom. Here's, here's the deal. Too many of us straddle the world and kingdom-focused. World-focused, Jesus-focused. We straddle. And in this phrase and in this term, this complete, conclusive denial that he's talking about. It's an imperative. Anybody that would come after me, there's no more straddling. Your life is focused on my kingdom and, and, and me. You are Jesus-focused. Um, you mean, uh, yes, that means that. Yes, that means that stuff. While you're being a wife, while you're being a husband, you're kingdom focused. While you're at work and you're at the coffee 
coffee pot, pouring coffee, and so-and-so comes up, and they want to start talking political junk, and they want to just start bashing, you're going to be kingdom-focused, a person of hope and a person of light, knowing and understanding that God is in control. And you're not going to jump into all the junk. While you're being a parent, and your kids... Being a kid, and your teenager is being a teenager, and all I mean by that is you're being really cool. That's all I mean. That's all I mean. You're going to be kingdom focused. I'm going to train up my children well, man. Okay, there's times they drive me up the wall, but I'm going to stay kingdom focused. And there's going to be times that, okay, not times, I said plural. I put an S on that. There might be one time that your parents drive you up the wall. Stay kingdom focused, man. That there's not one self-centered thought in me that my whole life is directed at him. It's directed for his kingdom. Jesus said, anybody that will come after me. Will deny himself. In 19... 99, December, late December, Christmas had passed. We brought a U-Haul trailer to our house. We backed it up to our little house on Getty's. And we loaded everything we owned onto a U-Haul trailer. When Y2K happened, we were driving from Colorado, I mean from Texas to Colorado. I believe January 1st through the 3rd, we ended up being snowed in, froze in a hotel room in Lamar, Colorado. The definition of middle of nowhere. And for three days, we were stuck. And it was a very needed three days for us. Because it was the day, it, those few days were the days that we severed the umbilical cord from Texas and we moved to Colorado. When we got to Sterling on January the 4th, 2000, I was no longer a Dallas Cowboys fan. I was a Denver Broncos fan. I was no longer, oh, by the way, I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan. It's, <laughs> anyway. We moved, not just physically, we moved, our hearts moved to Colorado. We're home. There was no more straddling. I had family that still lived there. I wasn't going to be that guy that moved up here and said, well, back in Texas, this is the way we did it, and up here, y'all are just a couple of decades behind we were much smarter down there than you guys up here in Colorado. I was never going to be that guy. Because we moved. We moved. I think church planners understand that, don't they? I was, my heart was here. And what Jesus is trying to communicate in this passage, anybody that will come after me, let's just be crystal clear. Their heart is moved. And it is focused and directed 
on Jesus and his kingdom. Second thing in his little list that he has here, anybody that would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Be ready to endure hardships and suffering. Now let's think about this lesson that Jesus has given the guys. Denying yourself. They got it. They got the emphasis of that. But when he got up to that cross thing, I wonder how they understood it. I'm talking first century guys. They're in Jerusalem. I wonder how they understood that. You think Jesus was the first person that they ever saw carrying a cross to Golgotha? No. It was the Roman way of executing people. They, no telling how many times they had seen people on their journey to, to Golgotha. So when he says, man, anybody that will come after me must deny himself. There's nothing selfish in you at all. Your life is to be focused on my, me and my kingdom. And pick up your cross. Luke expands the word in his, in his gospel, chapter 9. Luke says, take up your cross daily. It is a daily thing that you and I... But these guys, they, <coughs> they hear this take up your cross Jesus that that would mean (laughs) those guys that are carrying the cross that usually means there's pain involved and typically when people are carrying their cross they're carrying it to their say it death Jesus what are you saying man you're saying that Following you means I'm going to die. To those guys, it did. To you and I, means we need to be ready to endure hardships. And it may mean it costs you your life. It wasn't just too long, too long ago that we saw video of Christians put down on their knees and their heads being taken off. They were Ethiopian Christians, by the way. Jesus said, you need to be ready for that. By the way, it is an ultimate display of denying yourself. Just being crystal clear. Don't want there to be any foggy communication. Anyone that would come after me, deny yourself, man. And pick up your cross and follow me. Follow. Following Jesus. <clears throat> we must be ready. This is this last um, point that I have here about this list. A follower of Jesus must be ready to carry his cross while he waits for his crowns and tell the world of the treasure he has found. That line comes from a worship song that we sang the other night. Uh, while we wait for our crowns, Jesus communicates this to his, to his crew, and he says it to us, that we will be rewarded, we will be repaid for what we have done here. So make no mistake, friends. Christians, make no mistake. Make no mistake. What you do today matters in eternity. It matters. What we do tomorrow 
at the water cooler at work matters in eternity. Somebody you need to smile at tomorrow? Is there somebody that you need to be a voice for? Is there somebody at work that just has no voice and everybody is against them and you need to be their voice? I wonder what it is that God wants to do in and through you. I wonder how God wants to use you to build a bridge, a bridge, spiritual bridge to somebody. There's a quote that uh, Ben brought to staff meeting this last week as we talked about this. <clears throat> it's a quote. He got it off of Twitter. It's by, uh, I believe, Albert Hubbard. It's a great name, wonderful name. The quote says this. To avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And church, that's a good word for us. You know that? That's a good word for me personally. If I want to avoid persecution, hardship, criticism by those people at work, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those holier-than-thou people. You're one of those goody-two-shoes. Oh, uh, you want to avoid all that. If that's what you want to do, in the hallways of school, if you want to avoid other people making fun of you because of your faith, for his name's sake, if you want to avoid that, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. And as I hear this passage, as I hear Jesus speaking to his boys, speaking to you and I, be bold, man. Girl, be bold in your faith. Turn your life and, and, and surrender it all to me. Yes, keep going to work. And, but while you're at work, surrender to me. And follow me. And, and be thinking about my kingdom. And you never know. There might be somebody that might ask, what is it about you that's different? And, and because you're focused and you're following me and you're kingdom-minded, you're just able to, man, let me tell you about Jesus and what he did in my life. And that neighbor... focused. I wonder who it is that God wants to use you, you, to build a bridge. They just, maybe they just need a smile, a kind word. Next time you're at King Super, maybe a little card. They just lost a loved one, and they're alone. They're lonely. Just need a card. And you and I are, I'm so praying that we would all, starting with me, that we would all not be distracted by the things of the world. Peter, you're thinking of things of the world, you're not thinking of, but that we would all, in all circumstances, be kingdom focused. So let's spend just a few minutes in prayer, and I'm going to ask you to, to just seek the Lord. Who is it? What is it you want me to do? How does God want you to respond today in this call to, to surrender, this call to not get in the way, stay out of the way? This call to foam the runway for Jesus, don't block it. 
just seeking the Lord. I've asked Kyle to lead us as we just continue to be in God's presence. To lead us in a song that we're familiar with. We know it. But let's make it the cry of our heart.